Welcome to the Root and Remedy podcast, where we discuss all things women's health, hormones, fertility, and body confidence. I'm your host, Vanessa, a woman's health and fertility nutritionist and the co-founder of Root and Remedy Wellness. You can find our courses, free community group, and all other resources at rootandremedywellness.com. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. This is our first episode of the new year, and it's a perfect one to listen to if you're trying to make your fitness and health goals a top priority this year in 2024. I'm sitting down with Cortland. She's one of my favorite trainers of all time. She's been on the podcast before. It's episode four, and it was how to create a healthy relationship with exercise. If that's something that you're really focusing on and you want to be gung-ho and really be diving deep this year, it's a fabulous episode to pair in tandem with this one to listen to after. But Today, we are focusing, number one, on setting yourself up for success when it comes to your fitness goals, what you should be actually focusing on, the metrics you should be tracking, how to make sure that you're moving forward properly and staying consistent, seeing that consistent progress over time, and you're getting where you want to be. Instead of setting these lofty goals and New Year's resolutions that we don't actually hit, that we either start off and we're super motivated for, we're, we're gung-ho, we are balls to the wall for the first two weeks, and then we can't continue it, and then another year goes by, we're just disappointed in ourselves. We didn't make the progress we wanted to make. And we start all over again with the same mindset the following year. This is the year that that ends. This is the year where we finally stay consistent, get the progress we're looking for and make our health and fitness a long-term priority. This is why I love Cortland. I love the way she speaks about this. Not only is she incredibly well-educated, she's got a ton of experience working with clients one-on-one, especially women in their fertile years and beyond, but she speaks very eloquently about the trends and the BS that you need to avoid and all of the, the bad traps that we fall into because Everybody and their mother is creating fitness content. They're appealing to our biggest insecurities and everybody's trying to t- trying to sell you something. So Cortland really details out what we should be doing instead and how to actually get that long-term success and keep it, not just get our results and then lose them again. So this is why I'm so, so, so excited to have you listen to this episode to start off and kick off 2024. It is so helpful for just creating that healthy mindset, making sure that we are going to get where we want to be. So without further ado, let's get into my episode with Cortland. So this episode is all about setting yourself up realistically for success with your fitness goals in 2024. This is why I'm talking to my girl, Cortland. So Cortland, can we talk first and foremost about how people usually approach the new year? Because we're going to talk a lot about resolutions, why we don't make them properly. And there are classic mistakes that all of us make consistently over time. And I do think most of us know by now, everyone, everyone has heard all resolutions fail or 90% of resolutions fail by February 1st. You know, I feel like everybody knows that, but we're not given the blueprint of okay, here's what not to do, what you're probably doing, and you should stop doing that. Here's what to do instead. It's kind of just like New Year's resolutions are stupid. Don't make them. You're not never going to succeed with them. So can you talk to us about specifically what we're doing wrong when it comes to making New Year's resolutions for our fitness goals and how we can go right? I kind of want to preface in saying that making a resolution isn't a negative thing. It's just like how we go about it. Like if we actually think about it, January kind of signifies a fresh start, but it's like, Everybody is ready to go balls to the walls in January for some reason. And it it doesn't matter how many times people fail. Like it just like it happens every single year. But in, in terms of fitness, I think what we need to realize is fitness is a lifelong commitment. Like you can't undo all of the damage, I guess, that you've done over the last month. So we need to set realistic goals. I think that's where people go wrong is setting unrealistic goals. So we we're often like very overly ambitious in January. So I'm sure you've heard of like 75 hard or 75 soft or things like that, like doing two workouts a day, um, eating, like, I don't even know what 75 hard is. Do you know what that is? Like what they even have to do? I think you, you have to run a certain amount a day. You have to drink a gallon of water or something. You have to do a certain workout. Like it's, it's like, you, you have to journal a certain amount of pages or do a meditation. Like, I think it's like a million different changes totally. at once. And I don't know where, you know, even 
people people in the space go wrong by making people feel that if they go balls to the wall, somehow that's like better. I think um, it's like sexy to sell motivation for some reason. And people very much monetize on the motivation of others in, in January. Um, but yeah, so setting unrealistic goals would be like the number one reason that people you know, fall off. Um, they don't break them down into like smaller achievable steps. What would some unrealistic goals be? Can you give us some examples of ones that you're familiar with or you hear people setting or you assume someone's going to set when they're talking about their fitness journey where you're like, if you're thinking about this being your goal, this is not the goal you want to have. 100%. So working out every single day, if you're going from not exercising at all to going to the gym every single day, likely you will burn out very, very fast, especially if that routine's not already set in stone. So why don't you sit down and think of realistic, like a realistic fitness routine that you know you can stick to. So usually when I'm talking to someone, I'm like, okay, let's break down your schedule and let's actually plan what, like where we can fit in workouts in here. So it's all like fine and dandy to be like, oh, I'm going to work out five days a week. But if in four weeks from now, you can't keep that up. Usually what happens is when people fall off, they just swing in the complete other direction and they just do nothing at all. And then they're like, oh, fitness is not for me. Same thing on the nutrition side of things. So people go to like strict meal plans, cutting out food groups, you know, severely reducing calories, things like that, which usually gives them like a negative view of nutrition after they've exhausted that after a month of doing it. Right. And they'll get to the point where they'll say, I just want to live my life. Like this isn't worth it. I just want to live my life. Exactly. But if it's getting in the way of you living your life, you're going too hard. You're, you are going too hard. It, you're being overdramatic about it, but you're exactly right. The problem is, is that 90% of people are trying to sell you on. It can't be easy. It can't be like slow and steady wins the race. It's got to be you're all in or you're all out. And I think as a society, we are moving a little bit away from that, which I kind of get excited about. But still at the same time, our gut instinct is exactly what you said to go balls to the wall and to think, unless I'm doing it all perfectly, there's no point in doing it even 1%. So you said, okay, working out every day, maybe not a great goal. What about, because I think a lot of people are going to have weight and aesthetic goals. So can you talk to us about some goals that people may be setting where you're like, be careful with this. This may not be number one. Weight loss is great, but it's all in how you sustain it and maintain it over time. So if you lose that weight and then you gain it all back after, then really what was the point? So when we're setting goals for weight loss, we want to be setting goals of how are we going to get there? And then once we get there, how are we going to maintain them? Right. So this whole idea of like going balls to the walls is just results driven and it's not sustainability driven. Meaning we want to be breaking down these like larger goals into like smaller tangible action items that build up over time. So like I said, maybe working out five plus days a week is great in hindsight. And maybe that will get you to burn a lot of calories in a short period of time and maybe lead to more weight loss. However, are you going to be able to repeat that for February and March and April? Maybe not. You know what I mean? So we don't want to exhaust the system so, so quickly. We want to be working on maybe two or three days a week of exercise and then building from there. Just on the like topic of biggest mistakes with the New Year's resolutions, I would say people set unrealistic goals. They don't have a plan of how to achieve those goals long term. So typically people's goals are like, I want to lose 20, 30, 40 pounds. And they expect to do the 75 hard and for that to just kind of like that motivation to kickstart and for them to keep going. But we need tangible action items and we need a plan. We also can't be relying solely on motivation, which is another reason why these like very um, intense protocols like the 75 hard are not, not something that I would necessarily recommend. Motivation is fleeting. So developing discipline and habits is crucial for like your long-term success for sure. And then also we want to ensure that um, when you're starting, um, when you're starting like a big weight loss goal or a body composition goal or whatever, you're in the right mindset to do so. So think about what the rest of your life will look like. And if you're prepared to, um, do this for the rest of your life, because if you're not, then it's, it's not really worth it because you're, then you're always going to be on the on again or off again, and you'll never achieve any balance with your fitness and nutrition. I also think it's important because you and I both know what it feels like to be in the space of 
I want to get this goal and I just want to get it as quickly as possible. And then I'll learn and figure out how to maintain it later. Like I just want to get there now because I'm fed up. And a lot of people are fed up with their body, with their skin, with their health, with their mindset, whatever it is. And they've tried to tackle the same goal so many times and it it's it hasn't been working. So I think it's also important to hear you speak to why this is actually the better and faster way, not just it's more sustainable and it's actually the healthiest way, which is all true. But I'm I'm thinking about someone that's like, yes, yes, yes. But also I want it as quickly as possible because I'm fed up with my body or I'm fed up with this. So can you speak to how this is actually in kind of a roundabout way, it is the fastest way for you to get the results because you'll actually maintain them. Can you talk to that a little bit more? 100%. And I think when you say like, people are like, yeah, that's great. But like, I I hear what you're saying, but I still want to lose the weight. I think for people like that, we need to, we need to provide them small wins. We need to show them like, okay, like hitting this metric is a push in the right direction. For example, getting stronger in the gym, having less cravings. Like we need to show people that like, this is actually a sign that you're moving in the right direction. We're, we're focusing on achieving balance over time. And when I'm working with clients on like a long-term large fat loss goal, we also talk about things like ebbs and flows. And we don't only, you know, plan for setbacks. We expect setbacks to happen. For example, we don't get rid of things like birthdays and holidays and vacations. These are things that we need to long-term plan for. So the idea that you're just going to start in January, you're going to go five days a week, you're going to adhere to the strict meal plan, you're going to avoid all these foods to expect yourself to be able to maintain that is likely to have these like on again, off again trends where you like lose weight for a short period of time and then you gain it all back or you're on the train, off the train. And that's exactly what we want to avoid. So obviously the slower route is actually the faster route because we're teaching people how to achieve balance. We're, we're teaching people that even if you fall off for a week, here's how you get right back on. It's also the most enjoyable too. You enjoy the process so much more because you exactly, as you said, you're celebrating yourself in small ways the whole time. And that sense of pride cannot be overlooked. Instead of you saying, oh my God, I'm a piece of shit because I didn't do my 5.30 a.m. workout this morning, you're saying, oh my God, I am so proud of myself. I did a 15-minute workout. I know it's supposed to be 45 minutes, but I didn't skip even though I had 15 minutes. I'm so proud of myself. Like, Think of the energy that carries and how much more sustainable you will be when you are celebrating yourself and you're, you're proud of yourself along the way. And I also just challenge if someone listening is like, I still want to do it hard. Like I still want to go fast. Like love what you guys are saying, but I, I'm still getting that inkling to bite off more than I can chew. Just humor us. For six months, try what Cortland is going to lay out for us and the steps that we're talking about. And if it's still not working, fine. You bite off more. That's okay. But I guarantee if you try things the way that Cortland and I, especially specifically Cortland, is going to lay out for you in this episode – you're going to start to see and feel the difference. And I think that's a block is sometimes people just have never tried it the actual true sustainable way. So they think it's too good to be true, but it's not. This is actually the way that we want to pursue things. And this is something that I even think us as, um, I guess, like leaders in this space, we need to be talking about more. Um, Unfortunately, I do think that the balls to the walls, high motivation, that kind of thing that is still taking over for some reason. And um, I think it comes through being transparent and properly communicating with people like, no, this is actually how it works. And I do think that in general, we're headed in the right direction. But I do think that it's just a general lack of um, just lack of education around how this actually works. Um, and it, it's unfortunate. It, it, it's totally unfortunate. And we also don't want to be discouraging motivated people from exercising and all that kind of thing. We, we can just be like, hey, 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 it's great that you're motivated, but maybe slow your roll a little bit. And then also just helping people celebrate their smaller wins and helping educate them along the way. Like the way that I typically work with my clients is, is I explain to them, this is why this is a little bit better than the alternative. Right. You don't just give them a plan and you're like, peace out, bye-bye. You're like, here's exactly what's going to happen and here's why you want to do it over going balls to the wall, for example. Now let's talk a little bit more about the nitty gritty because I want someone to walk away from this episode being like, all right, I have at least a few things, like you said, a couple things that I can start to put in place. I feel like I didn't just listen and it was one year at the other. I actually made a couple tangible steps that I can take. So 
you've detailed out beautifully why we have to be really careful about setting these massive goals of I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. This is the year I quote unquote get in shape. This is the year I work out every day. I got to commit. Like, let's go. I'm I'm tired of my body and I'm going to change it. Those can be like the mountain peak, fine, but we're going to dial that back and say, okay, here are our more tangible, specific goals. So on that note, as we're going to be detailing those out and kind of giving people some more of that direction, can you talk to us about the actual metrics that we should be paying attention to? You mentioned weight, one of them, but you also mentioned we got to be celebrating tiny little things along the way that are metrics of progress, independent of what the scale says or what your body is looking like day to day. So can you talk to us a little bit about the metrics that we actually should be looking out for that are signs of true progress? 100%. This is my favorite question. Um, Even beyond weight, weight is actually probably the last thing that I would touch in terms of metrics. Um, Even to start with, weight is so arbitrary and there is no weight that's suitable for one person. Um, the main thing, especially when we're looking at like fitness and nutrition is, are you consistent with your routine? Like is the routine that you've set out for yourself, are you able to adhere to it? So whether that's one day a week working out twice a week, working out three times a week, working out, whether that's two square meals a day or three square meals a day, whether that's, you know, for everybody, it looks a little bit different, but the plan that you have set out for yourself, are you able to be consistent with it? If that answer is a yes then that's a metric. Number one, okay, we're doing great. You're able to adhere. If you're able to adhere to these like smaller um, type plans, then we can add from there. That's number one. Then if we break it down and we're looking at things like fitness, okay, are we getting stronger? That's literally number one. Are you stronger this time right now than you were two weeks ago? Are you getting stronger week to week in the gym? Are your movements getting a little bit easier? Um, are you getting, you know, less sore in between workouts? Those are all signs of progress before we might actually see any visible body composition change. Um, other things like are your habits with your nutrition improving? So are you able to adhere to, you know, preparing your meals or planning your meals ahead of time? Are you able to stick to a breakfast, lunch, dinner protocol, not skipping meals? Um, are you feeling like you're having less cravings day to day or your relationship with food is, is improving, right? Because if we're looking at fat loss, if you have, if your relationship with food isn't there, or if you have a negative or um, I'm not sure what the word it is that I'm looking for, but kind of like um, uh, a poor relationship with food, I guess, um, that's going to make your, your fat loss pursuits a lot less sustainable because we're more likely to self-sabotage to, I guess, um, quote unquote, um, go for poor food choices. I don't know if I like that, that vocabulary, but you know what I mean? So is my relationship with food improving? Do I have less anxiety around food? Do I, um, do I understand food better? Do I like the way that the, do I like, does the way I eat make me feel good? Things like that. Um, so yeah, can you see yourself sticking to this plan forever? Those are things that I ask my clients about. Um, other things would be, is my energy improving? Is my sleep improving? Is my ability to, to manage my stress improving? Are the relationships around me more positive? So these are all things that like, if a client is like, yes, 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 digestion is good. Energy feels good. I feel strong. You know, I'm, I'm eating well. I'm eating enough protein. I don't have a lot of food cravings. And I'm like, okay, you literally keep repeating this over time, your results will come. You have to do the boring work for like a long period of time. And the way that individuals respond is so unique, so, so different. So it's hard to speak to like what you can expect body composition wise in a certain allotted period of time. But these are metrics that tell me that the person is headed in the right direction. And can you detail out for us what some more tangible goals would be to set. So you said eating a certain amount of meals per day, working out a certain amount of of days per day. If someone, we're going to kind of talk about two avatars. One is someone who's not working out. They're, They're doing their best to come back around every now and then. They've probably been on and off the wagon, but they're they're really not working out consistently. They struggle with accountability. They struggle with the consistency. They're either all in or they're all out. And that's probably with both exercise and nutrition because they usually do go hand in hand. And then we'll, so we'll speak to that person first and I'll ask you a question about that in a second. But we will also talk about the person who 
already kind of has a bit of consistency on in their belt, but they want to turn it up a notch. So first, let's talk about someone who's new. They're saying, I'm fed up with my body. I'm over this. I feel like trash every day. I'm probably not sleeping well. I'm tired. I'm overweight. I There are a lot of different goals that I want to have. Maybe I also have bad periods and hormonal problems and acne and whatever. What are some more tangible goals that you would say get these habits and behaviors in place, have this be your goal and you'll start to see progress. 100%. And that kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying prior that I was really speaking to that like newer person, but I would encourage that person to sit down and realistically think, okay, what is my, like, like, let's look at your week. Let's look at your lifestyle. Where can we insert exercise in your day to day? And where can we plan around that? Um, So that would be number one. Like, let's find out like the frequency of exercise that works best for you. Number two would be um, finding a a method of exercise that feels positive and rejuvenating. So kind of back to when we were talking about like balls to the walls fitness, I think when people think about fitness, that's immediately what they go to. And I think a lot of like um, boutique fitness and like fitness trends are always like coming up with these like challenges of like how to go hard and all that kind of thing. But that doesn't really speak to the person who might be a little bit hesitant to start exercising. So find a method of exercise that feels invigorating, rejuvenating, welcoming, inviting, um, and then find a good support system to kind of help you in. So whether that's going with a coach or a friend who's been to the gym or something like that, um, that's kind of where I would start. So first things first, set a realistic plan for how often you would like to exercise, execute that. And then number two would be to find that method of exercise, whatever that looks like for you. Obviously coming from my background, I'm always going to recommend a strength training based routine. Um, But if that's not your, you know, your entryway, whatever gets your body moving is what I would recommend. Something that feels, you know, encouraging and inviting for you. Right. But at the same time, that person, if there are, realistically, every person under the sun, if we're putting in the time and the effort, we want to see the results. So if you can start and try strength training, start and try there. Maybe don't jump to F45. Maybe don't jump to Pilates. Unless you're like, I've tried strength training. I hate it with a goddamn passion. I will never be consistent with it. Fine. We will go through the back door. We'll go through the window. Most people don't. Yeah. But <laughs> but I think I challenge that because a lot of it's if you're doing it properly, if you are setting realistic goals and expectations, if you maybe have a coach that makes it fun, if you're doing exercises you love instead of exercises you hate that like hurt you or something like that, it's also try to tweak it so that if you love the feeling of working out your booty, then work out your booty more often than you work out your upper body. And then over time, you'll balance them out. You know, it's like try to have an entryway where you're still going to be able to see the results because I can also foresee someone jumping just into kind of what they enjoy, but then at a certain point, they're not getting the results that they're they're looking for, even when they're being quote unquote consistent. I'm, I am totally in agreement with you. And I think when I say that, I'm just speaking to, I, I'm envisioning the individual who like has never stepped foot in a gym and it's just very, very maybe apprehensive or nervous about even what that might look like. Now, in terms of um, if we're, t- if we're speaking like to results, I would always say strength training. If you can only commit to one to three times of exercise a week, you definitely want to be going for a full body strength training based workout. Um, And luckily, you know, there's lots of resources online for somebody who even if a coach is not in there, you know, it isn't a cost effective option for them. Um, We do have lots of great available resources online. You can literally research like a full body workout and you can find something or a YouTube, something like that. Like there's so many good resources, but if we're speaking to that person that wants to see results and wants minimum time time commitment and isn't really sure where to start, I would recommend one to three straight training workouts per week. And then I know part of your question was kind of fitness nutrition. So for that person who's very, very new with the nutrition piece, again, this is so individual because some people are like, either they hate cooking or they love cooking or, you know, they work this type of job and they can't have these consistent meals. Like everybody's so, so different. Typically what I recommend is three square meals a day built around a source of protein. That is kind of like first thing, number one pretty easy for everybody to do. That would be, and I I like to keep it actually very, very simple there and then work on that. And then obviously, you know, 
drinking your water three liters a day for most people, um, then getting in those square meals, each with a source of protein and kind of just keep it at that. And most people would, you would actually be surprised at what you can achieve actually just doing that for like two or three months. It's crazy. And I'm sure you can agree. I'm sure you've seen the the same kinds of transformations I have from that. Yes. And more, even more so with my own body, because I I don't work as much with um, body composition, but I personally, similar to you, went on a shithole of a body composition journey of trying way too much all at once, working the opposite way I wanted it to because I was actually overdoing it and under eating severely, under eating protein severely because I was vegan at the time. And it's hard to grasp until you've done it yourself. But that's why I'm I'm saying my number one challenge is just trust what we're saying. Even if you don't believe it's going to work for you, just humor us because you will blow your mind the amazing results that you can see, get, and maintain when you work out two to three times a week, doing good strength training for 45 minutes to 60 minutes. You eat three full meals a day. You feel satisfied. You sleep seven to nine hours a night. If I could like wave a magic wand and have every person working on their body composition, just do those three things, I would do that. I would do that. I'd be like strength training, eating enough food, sleeping deeply enough, and we'll add water in there too. So seeing it in my own life. And I know you've seen it in your body as well. And I know you like to play a little bit more because you're a trainer, but the results that you can get with that consistency is unbelievable. So something that I also wanted to touch on before we move on to the person that is already, you know, doing a few of, of the things that we just talked about. If you are someone, like you said, who's a little apprehensive about going, maybe the weight section in the gym makes you feel very intimidated. In the last episode, we did talk about, I had you speak to, what if someone's scared to go to the gym? So if, if that's you, listen to that episode. We won't hash that all out again. But it is time for you to ask yourself, okay, I have conflicting problems here. I want to see results quickly. I'm willing to put in the time, but I also want to see the my the fruits of my labor. But I'm also scared to get started and I'm intimidated by a few things. One has got to be more important than the other. If right now you're in the intimidation part and you need to start slower and you need to be more gentle, then you need to be realistic that your results aren't going to come as fast. And that's okay, but we just can't pretend we can do both at the same time. So I also, a little bit of tough love, just really think to yourself, am I willing to make myself uncomfortable in order to get what I actually want? Or do I need to work a little bit slower and have these results come at a little bit of a slower pace? And that's okay too. And these are things that over my years of coaching, I've learned to actually ask people when I first meet them. Like I try to get a sense of where they're at and wherever you're at is okay. You just need to set, you need to set your expectation outright. It is totally okay if the gym is a little bit of a, um, uh, overwhelming environment for you or intimidating environment. That's okay. I can, I can imagine why. It's, it's intense in the gym, right? And it's, it's very male dominated. And now it's becoming, the gym has become, there's like a culture around it. Um, there's, there's just a lot going on there. So coming from somebody who's never been part of that culture, we have to be mindful that that's, you know, uh, that can be intimidating for someone. And we just need to let people know that if that's you, that's okay. You can purchase like a set of bands and maybe adjustable dumbbells on Amazon and you can start there. Like if that's something that you're willing to do. I have clients who uniquely work out at home. You know what I mean? There's an option for everybody. There's never like an excuse to say like, oh, it's not for me. If the gym's not for you at this time, that's totally okay. Um, But then if the gym is for you, if you're willing to go to the gym and that's a little bit of an intimidating environment, like you said, we kind of uh, built on that in the last episode but there are ways to ease into that as well. And yeah, I think you and I have both been there with that going balls to the walls. (laughs) Oh girl, we have. Don't, don't follow in our footsteps, y'all. You'll have a bad relationship with food and a terrible relationship with your body. The way I used to (laughs) intermittent fast for 24 hours and then go do a hit hours the gym. (laughs) I've done 24 hour fasts. I have. Oh God. Oh boy. Oh, so funny. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the next person. Someone who is somewhat consistent with their nutrition. They're trying to eat well. They're trying to get enough food. They they maybe follow you and myself on Instagram or people like us where they're like, okay, I got to drink water. I got to eat breakfast within the first couple hours waking. I got to get protein. Like maybe they're, they're taking a couple supplements. They're not new to the game. 
However, they probably have a little bit of extra body weight that they want to shed or they feel like they're being consistent, but they're not seeing the results to the level that they want to see. So can you talk to us about that person and what they should be focusing on and, and implementing next? So now this actually looks totally different from the other person that we were talking about. And this is actually, um, this, this is kind of fun, interesting to talk about. One thing that I notice in my practice, and this is anecdotal, but it's also something that I've read about more is you need to be pursuing strength to make body composition changes. You cannot be pursuing cardio-based, HIIT-based workouts to see that change. It just doesn't work. What the science is saying today is that building muscle is what helps you get the shape that you want. So my clients who are lifting close to their own body weight or more are the ones seeing those body composition changes. And what I mean by lifting close to their own body weight, we're talking about your, your compound movement. So your squat, your deadlift, your bench press, your overhead press, your pull-ups, your rowing movements, things like that. Obviously, if you're 150 pounds, are you going to be overhead pressing 150 pounds? No, but we're pursuing higher numbers. We're pursuing strength in that way. Um, the stronger you are, the better, in my opinion. Obviously, you want to make sure that you're doing that safely um, and with the guidance of obviously a professional, but roundabout way, we want to be pursuing strength. Second thing would be protein. And I know that this is like a buzz right now, but protein, so, so, so important. Um, anywhere from 0.8 to one gram per pound of body weight or 0.8 to one gram per pound of desired body weight. So say you have 20 to 30 pounds to lose. Say you weigh 190 pounds, but you want to weigh 160. I would recommend shooting for like 150 to 160 grams of protein. Um, so those would be like the two main things. And number three would be making sure that you're getting in enough calories. You would not believe the amount of women who purposely undereat because they think that that's what they have to do. And they're like, I'm not seeing the results I want. Like I'm going to the gym, I'm eating healthy, but I'm like, girl, you're eating like 1300 calories a day. And that's just not going to cut it. Like your body, first of all, needs like basic nutrients just to function throughout the day. And then you're adding on activity on top of that and weight training. Your, your body needs more to sustain itself and to grow. <laughs> so that would be my three main things would be pursuing strength in the gym, especially through your compound movements, getting in 0.8 grams to one gram per pound of body weight or desired body weight. And then making sure that you're getting in enough calories as well, which is very um, individual. Okay. So hard to speak to for the masses, but yeah. No, I think someone can still say, all right, th those are my goals. And at the very least, maybe I'm going to start play around with tracking. What does 150 grams of protein look like per day? Most people don't know I, until you look at it. I think tracking is an excellent tool. I think it's been um, kind of... Um, demonized a little bit in some of the like, um, do I want to say like body positivity culture? Is that probably totally. not? Yeah. No, no, no. Use. We've, we've, we've blown it out of proportion. We've made it. Evil. Yeah. So like, I think the way that tracking is viewed is like, it's meant to be like, you have to eat little calories. You have to eat little amounts of food. You have to control every single gram of carb, fat, protein that you put in your body. That's not necessarily the way I view tracking. The way I view tracking is as a, um, a temporary educational tool to be like, okay, this is what's in my food. I understand that this is what 30 grams per protein looks like in a meal. Um, and now I have a better visual idea of how much I should be eating in a day. Um, if you have very specific body composition related goals, tracking can't hurt. Is it necessary for everybody? No. And I tell my clients, I'm like, if this is something that's going to cause you anxiety and that you don't want to do, then let's just not do it. But it is an excellent educational tool to start tracking your food um, in order to see, make sure that you're getting in enough calories per day. And then the way that you would make sure that you're getting in enough calories per day would be like all of these apps, they, they, um, they kind of spit out like a calorie amount that, um, that you would need and they're pretty accurate, but the way that you can make sure that they're accurate is log your food for a period of two weeks, weigh yourself for a period of two weeks. If your weight is maintained throughout that time, then you can say that you're eating at a calorie maintenance level. And that would be what I would call sufficient. As long as you're, as you're feeling good. I know that there are to like tons of other factors that are, um, that go into what sufficient means. But in terms of when we're talking body composition, that's where I would start for sure. 
Okay. And I want to make, um, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well, because I know with the start of the new year, also with just health and wellness trends right now, people are going to think, well, what about my cycle? We're talking like our audience is pretty much all women. They're women in their fertile years. Absolutely. They're, they're now thinking, okay, but I've also heard I need to work out in accordance to my cycle. I, I want to hear what you think about this personally. And I'm all up in the hormone world. So people may actually be surprised that this is my answer. I don't want you to worry about your cycle right now. I don't want you to think I have to plan in accordance to my cycle, only do yoga on my period, only strength train in my follicular phase, only do hit in my ovulatory phase. I don't want you to even think about your cycle, except when it comes to how you are genuinely feeling and not being angry at yourself. If you can't lift the same weight on your period that you could when you were ovulating or the middle of your cycle, I think it's important to consider that your body changes. Your cycle obviously has a huge effect systemically throughout your body. And that's when it is nice because... I'm working on, for example, myself, I'm working on getting to 10 chin-ups. I've been able to get to eight. I've only ever been able yes, to get girl. to eight. Thank you. In my ovulatory phase. And then on my period, I can maybe do five. And I'm like, God damn. But if if I wasn't attuned to the fact that my body changes, I'd be pissed off and feel like I'm regressing. However, I'm I'm cognizant of that ebb and flow nature. So if you're thinking, okay, I'm going to do what Corlin's saying, but I'm also going to do what this chick says on TikTok that I have to work out in accordance to my cycle or else I'm fucking my hormones. That's not true. And I want to hear you speak to this, Corlin, because you have, have firsthand experience in the gym with tons of women. I love this question. Also, I wish people would stop with the Instagram and the TikTok. Like, just listen to the professionals who you're paying. <laughs> um, yeah. So with the cycle thing, I think typically the way that I do it is I ask them, like, where are you at in your cycle? Like, are you the... Most people don't know follicular, follicular phase, ovulatory phase. I'm just like, where are you at in your cycle? Are you the week before your period? If they come in and they feel a little bit lower energy, so we can always reduce volume that week. But kind of on what you said, go based on how you feel. It's not just because it's the week before your period that you have to only do yoga and only do like light walking or whatever. If you feel good and, and everything feels fine, then there's no reason to really change anything, but that just goes for, for anything. Like you could be in your follicular phase and you could be extremely stressed and under rested. Then does that mean you should push it just because you're in your follicular phase? Nope, not necessarily. So it's just like, go based on how you feel. Everybody's very, very individual. Some women have, you know, more intense PMS symptoms than others and might really need to take that step back. And some women don't experience them to the same degree. So that's, that's how I would answer that question. Focus. I, I'm right there with you. I would say no matter what, just focus on the consistency. Try uh, with, with, I want to be gentle because sometimes, yeah, you're, you have ER level pain on your period. Probably don't go to the gym that day. But within reason, where this is all within reason, not take everything we're saying with a grain of salt because every person is different. But I would say master the the art of consistency, of showing up. And if you're at the gym and you're like, I am not feeling it today. Okay, great. Reduce the weight, reduce the volume. Maybe do single leg exercises or you kind of slow down the reps or whatever. Like for example... I was a couple days before my period. I wanted to do deadlifts and I was like, I am just, my low back's feeling a little bit off. I'm just exhausted. I'm proud of myself for, for showing up. I'm only going to do 20 to 30 minutes. I'm going to do nice slow movements. I'm going to do some single leg exercises, really focus on my core. And then I left feeling proud of myself that I still did a workout even when I wasn't feeling my best as opposed to angry at myself for not being able to be as strong. So I think still stay consistent. We don't want it to be an, ex your cycle shouldn't be an excuse to not stay consistent, but within reason, you have to consider how you're feeling. 100%. 100%. And like when my clients come in and they're like, I'm the week before my period, I'm feeling tired or whatever. Some, sometimes we just reduce the volume by 10 to 20%. We keep the same movements. And sometimes we just practice on segmenting the movement and improving the form, improving your range of motion, whatever that might look like. But I think that there's a lot of value in keeping your routine going as much as possible, even if the workout looks a little bit different. Um, and I think people yes. just need to be more aware of how to listen to their bodies and not push it. Because again, fitness is a lifelong commitment. So like if you're really in this for the long run, there is no reason why you need to push it past your limits when your body is telling you no.
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you enjoy only doing yoga on your period, great. We're, we're talking to the person that is struggling to stay consistent at all. So them, us also being like, okay, yeah, do everything we're saying, plus sync it perfectly with your cycle is going to be impossible. So we're just saying master the art of consistency, working out one to three times a week, and then we can kind of discuss the cycle. So yes, just want to, I know we're going to get that question. I want to switch gears. So we talked a lot about, okay, clearly what we're not doing very well when it comes to the goals we're setting, even though we all set them just because we we all are primed to go balls to the wall because it's what feels good. It, it's what gets you amped up, like you said, that motivation. But we know motivation is fleeting. Everyone who has had one year of trying to do a fitness goal and failed knows exactly what we're talking about. You are not motivated like the second weekend. So you you really detailed out great ways that we can change those goals so that they're more sustainable and we can celebrate ourselves more easily and actually have that progress towards our goals and sustainable um, results. I want to talk a little bit about things that people should be aware of because like you said, everybody and their mother is on TikTok and Instagram trying to tell you something different. They're trying to sell you their workout programs. I know with you as a trainer, this makes you want to pull your goddamn hair out, I'm sure, because you're like, <laughs> all of these are terrible or like most of them are terrible, but they, they're they they're what appeal to people's insecurities. So they're making billions. So can you talk to us about undoubtedly things that people are going to see on Instagram and TikTok because it's the new year, but they're gimmicks, they're trends, they're not good quality advice. Talk to us about what we should be looking out for and so we can just scroll right past it. <laughs> you know why that's so hard to answer is because most of it's bullshit and there's only like a very little bit that's actually, you know, um, valid. Like I think sex sells. So like if like a pretty girl and a fit girl on, on Instagram or TikTok is talking about, this is what I did. And this is what you should do. People are inclined to listen to said person. And that gives said person credibility. Now we need to be looking more at like the, the people with credentials, um, to be giving advice. That's just like number one, like don't listen to somebody who hasn't, you know, dedicated some, some of their life and some education into, um, the process. Um, I guess I'm just thinking of anything that involves something extreme would be a no-go. So like cutting out major food groups, no-go, you know, do you know how many people come to me and they're like, I, sh I can't eat bread or I can't eat red meat or I can't have dairy or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, since when, or, you know, um, cutting off like your, uh, setting like a food window or like an eating window, like can't eat before 12, can't eat after six. Um, that I literally hate hearing that because most people don't eat enough to begin with. So now you're telling people to shorten the window in which they can eat and then further exacerbating these issues of under eating and under fueling. Um, I would say anything that promotes, you know, um, balls to the walls, fitness, just in, in the means of like doing too much hit, hit cardio, doing two a days, anything like that is just like not positive and not sustainable. Um, can you think of anything? I'm I would also say anything that promises a certain amount of results in a certain timeline that is shorter than like six months to a year. <laughs> Cause they're going to say like two weeks, 30 days, three months, whatever, you know? And I genuinely wish coaches, and I, I try to refrain from doing this, but I wish coaches wouldn't post like two and three month, you know, transformations from their clients, because I think that's so misleading. And it's like, here's what I did with said client to have them, you know, get and make this change in this amount of time, which is great. Some of my clients also make changes in, in two to three months and that's great, but we're, we're promoting something that's very, very misleading because everybody's very different. Now, giving it like a year or two years of, of a change, that's a, that's a way different story than two or three months. So beware of um, anyone promoting like, this is what was achieved in two months. I would love to see what that person looks like in a year from now. That would be a lot more telling of how sustainable and how, you know, good that routine was for them to get to their goal. Right. Um, that would definitely be something I would be mindful of too. But anything that just promotes extremes mm -hmm. would be something to be aware of. Yes. Be aware that that will be your inclination and your gut will want to say, oh, this looks good. This looks good. Let me try that. I think this is going to be It's best. just like it looks so intense and so difficult that someone's like, oh, that's, that's got to be, be it. it. They're like, that, that's that got to be the thing that's going to – that looks really hard and difficult. That's got to be the thing. But it's like people, people typically start their fitness journey to get a result, right? 
So like we're always training and and speaking to results, which which is great. I don't want to discourage that. It's just that we need to be speaking to habits and consistency because that's how the results stay here, essentially, like stay around. Um, If we always train and eat to achieve said result, and that's the only metric that we're we're tracking, like we said, like weight on the scale, um, then you're always going to be like that on again, off again. You're always going to be searching for like these hacks and these like searching for the pill that's going to make that change, searching for the missing link. Meanwhile, the only thing that's missing is your consistency. Is there any, because we talked a lot, we've talked a lot about physical changes and physical goals and these kind of tangible things that are going to be more action-based. I'm curious, have you seen either in yourself or your clients or, or both mindset changes that people need to undergo or different ways they need to be thinking about their fitness journey specifically in the new year that you're like, you, you have to flip this switch or else it's going to be really hard for you. Are there any little tweaks that we can make in our mindset, in our approach, in our self-talk that will help make this process easier? 100%. I would just say like this kind of first things first, based on what I just said, like being in it for the long term and like knowing deep down that this is a lifelong commitment. So setbacks are expected to happen. And this is not about being perfect. This is about being consistent. So that would be number one. That's like the first mindset thing that you need to really ingrain into people so that they understand and they know what to expect going forward. I would also say that um, the relationship with food and exercise needs to be a positive one, meaning, um, you know, demonizing certain foods or being scared of foods or overly obsessed about foods. And then same thing with the exercise piece that tells me that that person's not in the right mindset either. So we're speaking to, again, consistency and not perfection. Um, and I think that you, if you're always seeking to perfectly adhere to an exercise routine and perfectly adhere to a nutrition routine, and you can't do that all the time, and then you fall right off. The people who do well have a positive mindset towards food and exercise and understand that it's a process that ebbs and flows. Um, and then generally have like positive self-talk, um, and, um, they don't self-sabotage. So people who typically have negative self self-talk are also the same people who self-sabotage as well, which I'm sure you've, you've uh, seen in your practice too. Yeah. I also think it's important to know that it's okay to want to change your body. And we talked a little bit about this in the last episode that like mm-hmm. the world is telling you like you're perfect the way you are. Don't ever want to change your body. And if so, then that's a bad thing. But if you want to change your body and you want to do it from a healthy place, that's okay. Just make sure you're doing exactly what you're talking about. Think about it sustainably. thinking about it lifelong. Thinking about how you're actually going to feel day to day and how you're going to make that progress. I think it's also important to have that mindset shift of, okay, I'm going to go on this journey, but I'm going to do it because I want to feel good in my body, not because I have to look a certain way to feel worthy of love or to feel like a certain thing. I think that's also very, at least for me personally, so, so much changed when I was like, it's, it's my body's a part of it because I of course feel a certain amount of confidence when I feel sexy as hell in a bathing suit. Duh, of course. And I feel a lack of certain confidence if I don't feel as good naked or in a bathing suit or in clothes. But a lot of it was also how I'm feeling about myself day to day and my choices. So I think that's also just an important mindset shift to make, to make sure that you are even going to stay consistent with everything. Because if you're fueling with hatred and like disgust, you're not going to stick with it long-term. 100%. And like having that like self-acceptance and, you know, um, self-love towards yourself and towards the process. Like I tell my clients, I'm like, if you have this negative self-talk now, do you think that's going to go away when you lose the 40 pounds? Because it's not. And I've actually seen clients achieve their fat loss goals, like major fat loss goals, like 30 to 40 pounds, and then still pick themselves apart and still have that negative self-talk. And I'm like, that doesn't necessarily go away because you've achieved said goal. We don't want to be discouraging people from body composition goals or fat loss. I think that that's an excellent thing to pursue if you think it's going to improve your overall health and well-being. But the process to get you there has to be positive and restorative. And like you said, There's no reason to achieve that if it makes you feel like shit while you're doing it. 
You should feel good as you're doing it. It should feel empowering. It should be exciting. Obviously, it's not always going to be motivating. Some days it's going to be days where you really got to like, you know, do anything you can to get to the gym. But you know what I mean? Just like in general. I love it. Okay. Are there any final thoughts that you have on New Year's resolutions, how someone can set themselves up for success based on everything we talked about? Or do you feel like we hit all the main points that you wanted the listener to hear? Um, I think in general, it's great to do New Year's resolutions. I actually asked all of my clients what they would like to work on in the year 2024. I said, what are three main things that you would like to work on? And we set out um, tangible action items and goals for, for the month for them to work on. Um, I, I think that that's great. And I don't think that resolutions should be discouraged. I just think the way that we go about them needs to be redefined. So anything that's going to promise you quick results or anything that's going to take over your life um, is likely not the route for you sustainably. So when you're thinking about starting um, a new goal or pursuing you know, fat, your fat loss and body composition goals, think about what you can stick to long term. Don't only use, you know, body weight and the scale as your metrics of progress. Um, And then kind of go based off of what we had mentioned before, things like strength in the gym, reduced cravings, um, better eating habits, better sleep, energy, overall mood. Those are things that are telling us that we're headed in the right direction. Beautiful. Okay. If you want to get in contact with you, they want to work with you. They want to learn more from you. How do they do that? Where are you most active? So I do mainly one-on-one personal training and nutrition coaching. I'm based out of Halifax, Nova Scotia, but I also do online coaching as well. I'm most active on my Instagram, which is at coachcourtland underscore. Um, If you want to get in contact with me, you can do so via my website, which is linked in my bio, or you can send me an email at coach.courtland at gmail.com. Gorgeous. Thank you. And I'll put all that in the show notes below so people can contact you easily. Very worth it, my friends. If you're looking for a coach, Coach Cortland will not disappoint. Will not disappoint. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We will have many more. We will have many, many more. There's so many topics we want to discuss, but we just wanted to get people ready and starting off on the right foot in the new year. Like you said at the beginning, we're very undereducated about our bodies, about exercise, about getting the sustainable results and keeping them. So that's what this podcast is all about. This is what Cortland is literally here to do. So thank you, my love. I always appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for listening to the Root and Remedy podcast. If you like this episode and you find our information helpful, then it would mean the world to us if you would leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Google, or somewhere else, just click that rating and review button and leave five stars. That allows us to continue to bring you great guests, free information in the women's health field, and get this podcast out to more people who need it. And of course, if you want to explore any of our courses, our one-on-one services, or any other resources we have, you can find everything at rootandremedywellness.com.